Welcome to Bra Meets World. When it's Bra Meets World. Your boy Meets World fan cast. Welcome to episode 34. I'm Siege. And I am TC. And we have a guest today. Woo woo. Yay yeah, um, yay. Yeah. You want me to say my name? Yeah, go for it. Arini. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Arini, uh, thanks for joining us today. She literally came in like in the last minute. I watched yeah. that episode and I was like, this needs another voice. <laughs> you know what? And I'm so glad that you're here because I literally felt the same thing. The entire episode, which is funny, it's about like men trying to figure out what women want from other men. And I was like, oh man, like they just need to talk to women. We should talk to women. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and you came and now that kind of settles the, the whole issue. When he said that and I like, I pressed play on the episode, like within two minutes, I was like, oh, I get it. I get why you need to Yeah. <laughs> well, that was the thing. We've been talking like the last Last few episodes have been very like female heavy or like about how this show doesn't handle women really well mm-hmm. and then when i saw this episode i was like i can't we can't just do it again with just the two of us okay so uh we have questions that we ask everyone um and just be completely mm-hmm. honest what's your history with boy meets world like i never like watched it like consistently but i would watch it sporadically throughout childhood so um I'd watch it when it was on ABC, then I'd watch it when it was on Disney Channel. But I don't think I've ever sat and, like, watched a whole season in its entirety, like, episode to episode. But there's all the different nuggets and, like, the key, like, the big, you know, the ca- the cabin episode, the ski trip and all that stuff. <laughs> I, I remember those, so, yeah. <laughs> the anxiety. <laughs> yes. The ski trip episode is so funny to me because it's, like... I I remember it, but I never thought it was as big of a deal as it was. Oh, when I, speak, I watched it live, and it was a very big deal. What I'm saying <laughs> is, like, I'll talk to strangers, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, like everyone remembers that episode." And yeah. I think for some reason, our young hearts, the episode where Corey cheats on Topanga, is just like a yes. moment. Also, like. Like, how could he change? Yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean... Well, I have my own thoughts about that, but... Well, he does, he does. But I also, I think it's one of those things where Boy Meets World taught us very early on that, like, even nice guys fuck up, and we just chose to ignore that part. (laughs) Until we couldn't ignore it anymore. Exactly. I would say that I think that and the Scream episode are probably the most memorable episodes that people have of the show name made a cameo the scream yeah, yeah. when um jennifer, jennifer yeah, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's such a good those, see, whenever i bring up the show those are the two episodes that people always reference so, yeah that's really interesting uh, so did you remember this episode um i didn't but i remembered you know all of the characters like i remember that frankie guy and i just like, I remember them and then they just like disappeared so <laughs> i was like oh yeah these guys as with most 90s sitcoms people <laughs> just come and go you're like oh you're such a big person yeah and like the next episode we never hear from you again yeah. uh how was your high school experience like who were you in high school um i don't think i had like that strong like i didn't fit into like one group or another i wasn't like I kind of was like a floater. So my first two years, I played hockey and with like the boys, and then um, I had just friends in different pockets. And but I didn't really love high school or like hate it that much. High school is always just a means to get to college. So, <laughs> so. yeah, and that's that's kind of how I feel about this show. Yeah, it's like a, it's just we're just doing what yeah. we can do. We get to college, so I. 
I don't know. I would argue that their last years in high school are the strongest of the show, but that's that's, good, that's just me. Very good argument. I'm not going to fight you on that. Okay, so uh, are you guys ready to get into this? Let's do it. Yeah, I'm so ready. I have the, I have so many thoughts on this whole thing, um, and I and I apologize because I know you're not as familiar with the show. So if we talk about the history of the show, I I, I don't want to lose you too much. But um, there's just a lot as far as our theories of the Frankie character that come to light in this episode. Yeah, exactly. That I'm I'm interested in discussing. <laughs> yeah, you'll probably just like trigger different nuggets because I I did watch like a bunch of it. It's like when I was doing homework and stuff. So it was like a background noise for a lot of my like middle and high school time. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love it. Uh, all right. So a few morning announcements, just kind of like, uh, like news I wanted to say. Both, I think both Ben Savage and um, Daniel Fischel are getting new shows. So like ah. we just need to check those out. What? That's yeah. exciting. Yeah. I think like they both announced that they're getting new shows and uh, you know, that's always cool to like see what they're doing and up to. So, yeah. I just love them. Just keep working, guys. I love seeing you. Exactly. Also, I mean, like, I'm like in the most non creepy way. Um, <laughs> ben Savage lives in Santa Monica. He's like right there. And like, they were both in Venice the other day because uh, Instagram tells you all these things. I'm not stalking <laughs> them. And I'm just like, I just don't know what I'll do if I like run into them. <laughs> you just. Bro, just, I know you don't want to be that person. You have to take a picture. Yeah, you have to be that person, don't you? Like, I feel like if I have a podcast dedicated around yeah. you, it's, like, legit for me to be that person. Pretty, pretty big fan. <laughs> okay, uh, all right, tell me about it. Tell me about it. Okay, uh, this is episode 13 of season two, Cyrano. Uh, in a retelling of Shakespeare's Cyrano, Corey and Sean help Frankie the Enforcer woo Harley's lady, Gloria. When the betrayal is revealed, Harley surprises everyone by seeking advice from the most unlikely of sources. Corey's mom, Amy, who is in the middle of her own B story when Alan buys her a trash compactor for their anniversary. Okay, first thoughts. What are your first thoughts? We'll let I you mean, take for it. <laughs> I've I've witnessed the whole like Corey's mom and dad situation probably a dozen times at least in my uh, childhood to the point where my mom will just text me like tell your dad this is exactly what I want <laughs> for Christmas or my birthday or Mother's Day like don't leave him to his own devices because it's, he's not coming from a bad place but that's just like how a lot of men think they're like oh you said you needed some shoes like running shoes. I got you some running shoes, and like that's not that's not that's like why would you like work. yeah? <laughs> and it's kind of something like I've learned to accept. Is and I get it too with my dad. I'm like, oh wow, like it's nice that you actually went out and got me something, but this is not me at all. If this is something you also <laughs> bought my grandmother, I don't know why you think I would like this too. It's really funny to me because my um, my mom did things completely differently. Like, by the time I was 12, my mom was like, yeah, I don't like this gift. And I was like, wait, what? But I went out and I like made you this or I got you this with my money and she's like yeah I don't like it oh she did that to you I was like 12 years old I was like mom I got you this thing for your birthday and she was like yeah no that's not cutting it and so I learned <laughs> so you learned like, the hard way yeah. that you gotta think like exactly I, I, I definitely feel um, that there was a lot of learning that happened. Well, I hope happened on the show. Um, the one thing I will say about the Amy storyline, just my first initial reaction was, I understand exactly where she's coming from. I'm 100% on board with it. But I did feel like she 
she throws a lot of shade at Alan for this thing, and I just didn't feel all the shade was deserving. I felt like, oh, he 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 obviously felt bad about it, and he like, oh, I cleaned the gutters like I'm doing chores around the house to make up for it, and she was still just like mad shade. <laughs> well, well, no, here's the thing. I'm gonna defend Amy real quick because I. For my first thoughts was I think this may be my favorite episode so far because we use every every single character with the exception of Morgan is used in the right way like every Everyone single person about Morgan. the writers forgot about Morgan. well actually they mentioned Morgan he was like he like Alan's like oh I did something with Morgan mm-hmm. like I helped her with her homework or something yeah. like that yeah. uh, so even she's mentioned we use every character in the right way for the right amount mm-hmm. of time and we even get like the classic Feeny that we mm-hmm. haven't gotten in a while that's a note I took as well and I was like, like this might be our first episode this season that there's a Feeny by the fence lesson talk exactly. and I felt and I felt like the last few episodes definitely needed more aged wisdom and less the boys figuring shit out on their own Exactly. And so um, so there's that. But then also, Amy is right. They've been married for 17 years. If yeah. you don't know by now, like, like that's another thing. It's just like... Uh, you ain't never, ever, ever know me. <laughs> exactly. No, you don't. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> nice, nice, nice <laughs> reference. But no, it's one of those things where listening to it, like, first of all, trash compactor for an anniversary gift jesus like, christ bro trash yeah. compactor like, are you serious it has the word trash in it it cannot be a gift <laughs> it can never be a gift it has the word trash in it very good point but not only that i was like where, where this comes from is it's an idea of him being like oh she was like always talking about this and that this would this is something she wanted yeah, but she didn't want it for herself she's not just like laying on bed being like oh my god a trash compactor would make my day that's something for the family yeah. she's like you know what this family needs do you know what yeah. us as a unit could mm-hmm. use and he's like oh this will really make her day well yeah. how is this, yeah. how is you getting a gift for the entire family making my day and that's where i was like no amy has every right to just look at him i i i kind of want to argue a little bit on alan's behalf and you know i never i don't like him as a character but to me it did feel like at least in his mind he was being thoughtful he was like you know what she's been talking about for a really long time like to him this was a sincere like i put thought into this it just wasn't what you wanted which is fine i could get you something else but don't be mean to me about it uh, i don't excuse know excuse me she said exactly what the problem was which is like this would have been a great gift for tuesday tuesday like, which i a- totally agree with i totally <laughs> he, agree with it, the problem wasn't that he got her a trash compactor mm-hmm. it's the fact that he was he saved it for their anniversary anniversary and it was he like was so proud it was so like sad just like because we all knew what was gonna happen exactly he even was, like, was... in his head like my god it was trash come back and was, like, what's funny oh I'm, I'm so sorry uh what's funny is that even eric yeah. in his young age <laughs> seems funny. to understand that this isn't something they want their names on exactly yeah, yeah that's the whole thing like feeny like Here's the thing. He goes, you put coal in that thing, you get diamonds. And Feeney's like, maybe that's where you should have gone with this. And I don't like, like, it doesn't always have to be jewelry, but it is something that's like, how about, this is your anniversary, how about something for her specifically, Mm -hmm. like, that Amy would like, and not something that you were just like, oh, don't get me wrong, like, you wanted this, but like, how was this like? I feel again, like Christmas would be yeah. a great opportunity for this. As like, as go the hell out of Philadelphia. Like, go on a vacation. Like, what are you doing, Alan? Exactly. So I don't know. That's that's my my first thoughts. Any other any other feedback? Um, just that we learn a lot about Frankie in this episode. Um, I don't know if you know this, uh, but we've 
have this theory that Frankie might be gay, which ended <laughs> up not being the case in this episode. But um, we've had a lot of uh, a lot of evidence to support that argument. Say that again. I said it, said it in this episode because I, mean, I don't know. I don't remember Frankie's storyline other than he disappears. But um, but I I can see that there being arguments from what I do remember about him and and even in this episode. Also, like, it's oh. high school. I mean, like I dated yeah. women in high school. It doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> we can just check One thing I with her. Yeah. One thing I do want to say is that I feel like Frankie's feelings towards. Gloria, who I have a whole lot of thoughts about. We're um, about to go into is what call, I is what I think is the defining issue with the show, which is this kind of overly fairy tailed flowery love that doesn't seem to be coming from anywhere sincere or genuine. He doesn't even really know her yet. He's willing to sacrifice a friendship and like say my love is an ocean. Like it doesn't really mean anything. And I just feel like that's part of the the issue I have with the legacy of Boy Meets World is this idea that like love is the most important thing and you're nothing without love and it has to be this really fairy tale romantic Cory and Topanga romance um, when I just don't feel like that's a very attainable thing to put out there. So, I don't know. I think a lot of youths are just in love with the idea of being in love and I feel like like even when, as the episode went on and he kept talking and like saying all these quotes I'm like, dude, you gotta chill. I don't feel like this is this is a lot for this girl. Yeah. Like, I don't think you loved her that much. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, I also always remember that this is, in fact, a high school show. Mm-hmm. So it's like at that point in time, you are like, yeah. you're like, this is love, and that's because you have nothing else yeah. to like compare it to. I guess that's true. It's a very, uh, a very uh, realistic, I guess, point of view from Frankie's character at his age. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think that we learn a lot about Harley. I was surprised by Harley in this episode. Yeah, that was like. Not- like we w- we were like heading towards stereotype uh, yeah. cliff, and then it took a sharp turn, and I was like, "Ooh, I like this." Yeah. To your point, people constantly are lo- leaving the show, and it feels like this is the second episode in which we've really developed Harley as a character. For him to simply disappear at the end of the season, for the most part, so I just I'm not sure why we're continuing to get these storylines that strengthen him as a character versus Sean or Topanga or someone who's actually going to be sticking around. Yeah, we yeah. even get some Topanga this episode, yeah. and again, we a get, little bit we get, but we get the good Topanga. Yeah. We get we yeah. don't get like the daddy's taking me shopping Topanga. Yeah, we get like the Topanga where she's saying exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I read this book and I understand it. Exactly. Uh, okay, so roll call real quick. Uh, Gloria. Let's talk about Gloria. Uh, like, yeah, can you I, tell me? I, just, I was like, okay, I guess, you know, this is just teenage love where she's the most popular or the prettiest girl in the high school. So everyone's, for some reason, head over heels in love with her. But I was like, dude, ch- chill. It's <laughs> not that exciting. For me, it was way more of a, um, she's the only other person willing to entertain their Italian stereotype. So. Yeah, that's that. my note was um, we meet Gloria, who is essentially a Guido version of Sandy from Greece, and I'm just still left wondering what time period are we in on this show? Because it's 1990s, yet Harley and Gloria are straight out of Greece. I, so, wait, just a quick question. Gloria hadn't appeared in episodes No, this is her this. Very Okay, first this is her episode. first episode. Okay. Um... Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I was like, this girl, but then it makes more sense that she really was new to everyone. Yeah, she was new to everyone. And, like, again, like, they, I I guess it kind of makes sense that they were like, who would uh, a greaser 
like Harley be dating, and yeah. they were like, "Oh, how about we go uh, Sandra D yeah. post makeover?" And you're just yeah. like, "Okay, again, this makes no sense." But I mean, why couldn't she just be a person? Yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, and that's my other issue with Gloria as well is that she's immediately when we're introduced to her, she's just arguing with Harley in, in the hallway. And we see Frankie just, like, kind of sad because he's just so in love with this girl he can't have, this unrequited romance. But there's nothing about Gloria that we see that would make her, like, a person that you would want him to be with. Like, who is Gloria that we're rooting for this romance? Like, who is she for him to love her like that? Because all we've seen is arguing. No, exactly. Yeah. And what she's mad about is, like, I like I can kind of get the argument, but it doesn't. it's not as, like, it's not same as, like, Amy and... Uh, the dad yeah it's like not i'm not nearly on that level so i'm just like yeah 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 i although i will say they had like a few fun bits like um when he was like you got me tires or something like that for our anniversary he's like i got you tires she's like you got me three and i was like that that was funny <laughs> I, you know what and at one point in the show i'm just like damn trash compactor and tires are practical ass gifts like a t- <laughs> you know how much tires are yeah. three tires yeah exactly. talking about like 400 bucks man that i don't know again I, there, here's that's i understand what you're saying practical no one's saying that practical gifts aren't shouldn't be yeah. received I everyone's know. saying that practical gifts during anniversary mm-hmm. are an easy way out which yeah. is even what like feeney is basically saying mm-hmm. he's like you chose like the easiest yes, thing, you didn't have to think. so you didn't have to think about her. What do you think about this idea of just like people having different understandings of what romance is? Because what's interesting is a few episodes prior to this, we meet Harley's little sister who disappeared forever, and in that episode, <laughs> she's in love with Corey, and uh, she's sending him all of these elaborate gifts like steaks. Yeah. And so, what if what if they're just in a household where you give someone tires and steaks and things like that for their for your anniversary? Like, what if people just have a different understanding of traditional romance? Yeah, gift giving. We talked about this. Um, yeah, their love language. The love language in this family is gift giving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it just I, I yeah I just I I don't know I just feel like some of these gifts, although not what you would think of immediately as an anniversary gift, it does seem like there is some thought being put, at least on Alan's part, there is some thought being put into the gift, whether or not it was a good idea or a bad idea. It um, sounds to me like you are being very defensive. And, that you... <laughs> and you know, I never defend Alan. I, I generally have disliked him as a character up until this point, but I just, I don't know. I felt that uh, we can keep going. I, I won't. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. I will say that, like, um, all right, so to get back to the episode, talking to the episode, um, we start off with, like, the Cyrano plot, you know, like, they're, they're reading it, yeah. Cyrano. This, this about... classic literary work that we've gotten to again. This is our 14th book we've read this year so far. <laughs> So our theory is, yeah, our, our theory is that they have one of those textbooks where it's like you get like a chapter or two of each of, each of the literature. Because there's no way they're reading these Sean's books. Sean's not reading 14 books. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's a very good point. 13 there's episodes. no way Sean's yeah. reading And so what's interesting is that we are talking about Cyrano, which is this, you know, this character that is kind of uh, uh, not traditionally attractive. And he helps this other man get this woman that he's in love with. And Turner's like, hey, guys, you know, what do you think about this? And all the guys think it's, they call him a dip, which I'm not really sure what that is. And then all the girls are like, it's romantic. And then Topanga says something which is really interesting. Boys don't understand passion and romance and will never understand women. 
And that's why all of you will spend half your lives confused and the other half paying alimony. <laughs> <laughs> Which I just thought was a really funny bit. And it's also, it makes me wonder, because we talk about this all the time, about how, you know, overall, the stories don't seem to favor women. But it does seem there's at least one woke chick in that writer's room who inserts lines like this, who speaks for Topanga, and where is she when all of these overarching themes, um, which are kind of playing women down, where is she then to kind of interject and be like, hey, maybe it should be more than just one Topanga line that sticks up for women. I love that you said that because how I looked at this episode was, again, we, like the past mm-hmm. few episodes have been really shitty towards women. Yeah. And I feel like whoever was in the writer room was like, you know what, we gotta fix this. Because yeah. this whole um, uh, this whole episode, the, the theme is like listen to women and Mm -hmm. consider what women want and i like that i feel i just feel like whoever was in the writing room was like yeah we need to rework this Mm -hmm. and like and really consider uh the female characters in our stories so yeah be interesting to see like just look at the credits and see the changes because clearly there's something happened where we dropped half these characters like something happened here and just wondering if those were you know studio notes or what but clearly they've they're starting to make some changes. Yeah, I think that's a good point, if it was studio notes or not. Um, but also, I feel that um, someone mentioned, or I was looking at something on our Twitter, and someone was like, they talked about how what they did with this series is something that you don't really get to do very often, which is like, they just experimented. They just kept mm-hmm. trying new things, just, and then whatever works, true. they went with. And I think that's I think that's important. That is true. Which... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Changes and cast changes that you, as a kid, might, just might have seemed weird, but as an adult, you're like, oh yeah, they were really just making a lot of choices and and trying out and seeing what was stuck. And I think by high school, it kind of they found their rhythm. Yeah. Uh, just what I was going to say to your point about shows to having their time to find their voice and kind of figure out their characters. Um, not something you really see anymore. Did you notice that they're bringing back TJIF? I saw a, a trailer for it, um, and it has Fresh Off the Boat. It has that Speechless sitcom, um, and it also has a new show with uh, Fred Savage. I mean, yeah, Fred Savage, Ben's older brother um, from Wonder Years. Um, and I was just, I was just interested to see, like, wow, I wonder if ABC is still going to let these shows take some time to, like, like I don't know how well Speechless is doing, but there's a new show with Fred Savage, and I'm just interested, like. I don't know. Well, like, it doesn't seem like television now gives a lot of time to to experiment anymore. So I think that is kind of the great thing about 90s is that, you know, when you didn't have the competition of cable and Netflix, you, you when there was only a handful of channels, you kind of felt a little bit more secure in your place and didn't feel the need to kind of rush things off the air as quickly. Yeah, I think um, I think that's what they're doing with Fresh Off the Boat because Fresh Off the Boat definitely has gone through some changes. I remember the first, like the the series creator left the show after the first season. Yeah. Um, he did the narrations too, right? Exactly. The first season. And then they just they got rid of it and they just changed some things up, which is. Like, it's unfortunate. I don't know what he wanted to do, but Fresh Off the Boat was, like, a really funny uh, sitcom. And it's set in Orlando, which is also, like, really funny. Yeah. It's I always love. funny to see, like, Hollywood's take on Orlando. <laughs> what we have is this overall theme of men have a hard time understanding what women find romantic. And I'm interested, now that we have a female guest, um, do you feel this is an accurate uh like, have you experienced a lot of this of, like, men trying to do things that were romantic and just failing miserably, even though they have good intentions? 
Um, it's hard to find men to try and do anything romantic. Thank you. Days. That's the thing. I, was I can't even get them to do the basic <laughs> communication. So, Arini uh, and I really bonded over, like, dating and, uh, like, dating boys in L.A. in general. And so, it was really funny to me when you asked that question because my initial thought was like, oh, wait, they're doing romantic shit? Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I'm not getting a lot of romantic shit. I'm, like, still working on, like, hey, can you just, like, text me a couple times a day? And so, if <laughs> someone gave you tires, you would actually find that to be quite romantic. Um... Maybe not, but you know what? The traditional, like, oh, don't get me pots and pans gift. I would take that at this point. I'm like, you know what? You know I've been doing some cooking, so I'll take that pot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take some pot, too. Exactly. I'll take some pot, yeah. <laughs> give me something. Like, this whole, like, I, like, Ubered all the way to your house. It's not, like that romantic like dude come on yeah that's I, like the bare minimum like guys get away with the bare minimum these days and that's why we're not getting romantic gestures anymore i mean we really like the bar for dudes is like it's, so low i feel like we dug a trench and like that's where the bar is because um again like it's crazy that like, even the idea of, like, what is romantic anymore? Like, what would you mm-hmm. consider romantic? Especially, like, like I don't know. Was, At I don't this know. point, like, I had, like, one guy plan a date. Like, and it was a nice date. But it was, like, that was, like, so romantic because he just planned a date. He wasn't, like, yo, want to come over or you want to get a drink. Like, it's, like, oh, wow, we had dinner <laughs> and drinks. And dessert, like wow, that's amazing. Oh, he likes it. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's, like, the, that's like the like the how high romance has gone so for me. TC, where are you at? What are like what are you doing? Well, here's the thing: is that I grew up on Boy Meets World, so I try to do romantic shit all the time. Like I'm always trying to be kind of over the top, but I also understand that this was something that television taught me what love was. Like it taught me that this is part of love which don't get me wrong no one seems to dislike it when i do grand romantic gestures but to i was i learned love from television almost exclusively because my parents divorced at a young age so i never saw like that around growing up so um yeah i've always i've always tried to infuse a lot of romance and kind of even sitcom romance into uh relationships which again people seem to enjoy but at the same time um Growing up, I had to learn what was sincere and what was over the top and try to find that line. Yeah. What would you say, Irene, would you say that you're romantic? Like, do you like romance? Um, I would say I'm like a mid-romantic. I think if you're like, if it's too over the top, that would be a little like, what? But um, I like like little romantic gestures and stuff like that. Um, if you get like super over the top, then I just start to question why it's happening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's just my own, my I own think, thing. But yeah, I will say I feel like I know a lot of guys, a lot of people who grew up watching these sitcoms, and they must have just not been paying attention or taking anything <laughs> to heart. Like I bet, like I could text a bunch of dudes on my phone, be like, "Did you watch Boy Meets World?" And be like, "Oh yeah, I totally watched. I love." But they don't do any of that or take any of it to heart. It's really funny to me because you're right. Like, I I always think about, um, I hate the movie The Notebook, but I, I remember when it came out, I had all these guys who were just like, it's just like, they're so romantic. It's like the most romantic movie you've ever seen. And I was mm-hmm. like, really? But like, 
they love that movie. And so, like, there is a part of me that understands that guys do know what romance is. Mm-hmm. Like, they are, like, they have an understanding of it. But... Game recognizes the game, bruh. <laughs> but does it? I mean, like, rewatch that movie. It's a lot of, like, I don't know. I Oh, I haven't seen it since it came out. I'd be very interested to rewatch that movie and give that you my notes. That movie, I'm gonna send you like this synopsis of the movie, but it like it hits it right on the nail. It's pretty funny. I, sure. Yeah, watching, I watched that movie. I was like, "That's too much. This is overwhelming me." So, obviously, I, maybe I'm not as romantic as I think I am, but because I was not one of those girls who thought that was like, "Oh, that's what I want." Yeah, I don't. I'm a. I am a romantic, but I'm also a realist. So it's like, like you said, it's like if the setting or if like the thing feels normal, mm-hmm. then yeah, it's romantic. And like, that's really cool. I like, I've literally gone on several dates, um, <laughs> which I don't know what that means, but I've been <laughs> on several dates uh, like where it's just like a walk on the beach and yeah. we're like just walking and talking. I'm like, that is yeah. so cool. I, I, I was- yeah. yeah, sincerity plays a huge part in romance. Like, it needs to feel like it's coming from a place where you're like, hey, I'm genuinely, you know, trying to think of something that would be good for you, trying to, like, create a romantic setting. I'm putting thought into this um, without it coming across like, I'm doing this, so now you owe me. Like, there, yeah. like it just needs to have this, like, uh, feeling of being thoughtful, but not being, like, um, like, you're trying to get something in return. Yeah. And I think you can read that sincerity in the smallest of gestures and the biggest of gestures. That's a really good way. Um, so, go ahead. Siege, I have a question for you. Yes. Um, this whole episode is about the, you know, what men find romantic versus what women find romantic. And I'm interested if there's that same dynamic in same-sex relationships. You know, it's funny. Arini, the first thing Arini said to me was she was like, I don't know if gay men are like, if they have like the same problem. When I was watching this episode, um a boyfriend from a while ago he would do this thing where he would like just buy me things that like his he would buy me things as like a way of me being like oh you know i really like that blue shirt like just in passing and then like i'd show up and he's like oh i bought this blue shirt for you and it was just like this whole thing where it's like well like i said that but like i didn't want you know like i didn't like i didn't want it he um had like money issues and trouble and it was and a lot of it came because he would like just buy me these gifts because like that was his idea of romance and to apologize, he would buy me flowers. And I was like, you're not Stop. getting the core issue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Buying expensive money. flowers is the wrong response to that. So, so would you say that this episode is more and less, less of a gender issue and more of a love language issue? I was about to say love language. I was like, I wish, just in general of TV and sitcoms, I wish there was more people in those writers' rooms that were like, you know what's a love language? Communication. You know what's a love language? Just quality time, because it seems like Throughout, like, all of our childhood in movies, TVs, the love language that's always being shown is is gift-giving and big romantic gestures and not, like, the act of service or... I forgot the other one, but I just... Yeah, it's a, so I love that you said that because two things. To answer your question, TC, um, the guy I'm seeing right now, I was literally, like, there was, like, a time... He won't listen to this, so I feel fine. But, like, uh, there was this time where I was, like, kind of getting frustrated because I felt like we weren't really, like, on the same wavelength in, like, communication or something. And I was trying to figure, I was like, oh, you know what? He probably has a different love language than I do, and I just need to figure out what that is. But I also let it be known that mine is, like, communication. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of, like, said something, or, like, I brought it up, and I was just like, hey, this is how I'm feeling. And from that day forward, he literally texted me, like, at least once a day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, you know what? That actually made a really big difference. This, like 
doubt that I had and like this whole did I just you send him a link or what did you do? No, I, I need like, to do this. <laughs> I literally, like it's it's that thing where it's like I need yeah. to know verbatim what you said, copy and paste it to me. Exactly. <laughs> uh you just have to it's that thing where you have to risk your own feelings and be like, okay, as much as I would love for you to get this on your own and like that would like you getting this on your own would totally tell me that like we're mm-hmm. meant to be and stuff like that. I was like, that's unrealistic just as much as the romantic Mm -hmm. gesture is. Like, he doesn't know me. We're getting to know each other. So I just went up to him and I was like, hey, um, do you, I was like, do I communicate to you too much? Like, is the amount that I'm texting you a lot like is it like excessive for you because for me i like with you and tc i get text messages throughout the day like 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 that's just a, and so uh for me someone texting me or communicating with me throughout the day that's my way of being like oh you're on my mind even if i don't see you mm-hmm. and i don't need to be around you in order to like know that you care um and Again, all, all I said was like, hey, am I communicating with you too much? And his response was like, no, you he's like, you messaged me literally like once every two days. <laughs> he's like, it's fine. And I was like, what you don't know is I paste those things out so I don't seem obsessive. But <laughs> a lot of thought goes behind. This is strategic. <laughs> yeah. But he was like, again, after I kind of brought that up, I think he like took it in and like literally from that point forward he messaged me like mm-hmm. and he would like do this thing where it's like all right yeah you for if you brought it up then mm-hmm. apparently this is something that's on your mind and i will address it in my way and it, he doesn't text me like nine times a day but it's just there mm-hmm. was an increase and i noticed it and i appreciated it yeah to your point i think the the biggest <laughs> issue in ro- relationships that we never see on television is people figuring out other people's love languages. Cause I feel like that's something that's the most challenging aspect of an actual relationship that I've never seen accurately discussed or dissected on television. No, that's literally what I was thinking when we were talking about this is like, we've never seen them go through the steps of figuring each other out. And I think for a lot of people, if we showed that in some sort of way, it would be a lot, it'd be helpful. Yeah. It's very, very helpful. I remember ta- like this guy that I was seeing was like, Oh, like what? I was thinking about you and I thought I texted you. I'm like, well, but you didn't. So it, like, but in his head, he's like, well, I do care. Cause I thought I did do this. And it's just like, we don't see these little like moments in like outplayed in, um, in the media. It's yeah. I think that's helpful. hilarious. It's like, I thought about it. So that counts. It's the thought that counts. It's like, it does no. not. <laughs> I can't read your mind. I don't know that you thought that you texted me four hours ago. Exactly. Um, I had, I had a quote from the show that I wanted to talk to you guys about, cause I just thought this was really interesting and well-written. Um, Feeney and Alan are having a discussion by the fence. Um, Feeney says something to the effect of, On the husband highway, there's very little forward traffic. Just a million well-intentioned men backing up frantically. <laughs> You've been down that highway before, huh, George? Yes, I have. Before it was paved. <laughs> Which I thought was just such an interesting, well-written joke, because basically what he's saying is, like, there was no one there to help me when I made these mistakes. Like, I'm here to help you. And and which gets me wondering, like, I know we've met Alan's mom before. We never meet his dad. I'm assuming he's passed away. We don't meet Amy's parents. Um, And I'm just interested why Alan doesn't have anyone to talk to about this. Like, why 
it took like why is Feeney the only person who can give him this advice? And maybe I'm thinking too much into the dynamics of the show. But actually, if was... we want to go into the history of the show, I think you're you just kind of leaned into something, which is that we know for a fact that Alan's mom's love language is gift giving. Remember, she like came in and she gave the kids all these gifts. Oh yeah, he was not there. Like she like in the, in an earlier uh, episode of season, last yeah. season. She comes in and she like gives all these people's gifts and she makes all these promises, but she doesn't follow through. And it's something that Alan's like, look, that's just her. She means well. And she goes about it. But that would totally lead. I really don't think they thought about this, but like it does explain that Alan's just kind of like, oh, giving gifts and giving gifts and being here is the best way for me to show you that I love you. And for Amy and for like everyone else, we're like, that's good, but like take it a step further. Yeah. yeah. I do think it's probably wasn't a conscious choice by a writer, but that was probably the same writer and that's projecting us like it has a very clear pattern and yeah. They probably picked that up from somewhere. It's funny, like that's true. Like, you know, there's only a handful of writers. I'm wondering if like we're learning more about the writers through these episodes than we are about the characters. Oh, that's a very good point. Yeah. Maybe we should start doing that. I mean, I know plenty of podcasts that are like, oh, this is like a Johnson episode, so we yeah. know what we're going to get. And I'm like, yeah, maybe we should, yeah, we should start. start. We should start pointing out the writers and figuring that out because I think that would be an interesting thing for us to track having watched all the episodes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think what I loved about that analogy is, first of all, Alan's like, it's very few people going forward. And it's like, <laughs> it's, like it's mostly well-intentioned men mm-hmm backing up and i like first of all living in la i can totally see like this like like uh grid of traffic of men just being like i got it i'm sorry like (laughs) and and then also um it's it's good because what it also says is that we're all learning you know it's like that's what it said to me it's like what the mistake you're making is very common Mm -hmm. it's very it comes from a good place. Um, so we and, don't want to... And also touching on Feeney being a widower again, slightly. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, showing that Feeney has experience with this. And, and wisdom comes from failure. Yeah. You know, exactly. like, I think that's really important. Um, yeah, I just thought that was really great. Sure. We show that he, Alan learns and that Amy will still be a little salty. <laughs> yeah just a slight bit salty right like not that bad but yeah yeah oh so i like i want to talk about we we hit on alan and amy which i think is great i think like you know their storyline is good uh, i love the use of amy in this uh episode because usually amy's just like a side character mm-hmm. or you know and this is the most we've seen or heard from her in a season exactly wow. in a while and um but what i love is I want to talk about Harley and and what mm-hmm. he does because when Harley finds out, first of all, Harley has like this machismo look, and you know he's just kind of very much like. Uh, but he he's Danny Zuko in nineteen ninety five. He is, but like he also he thank you. Where he's first of all, he does listen to Gloria. Which is surprising because when Gloria's like, "Don't beat them up" or whatever, Harley like he doesn't. He's like, "You know what? I promise I won't touch them." You know, yeah. it's like that whole thing was like, a, "You know what? I'm listening to you. This is what you want." And but then, then says Frankie, "Beat him up." Technically, I didn't hit him. Yeah, te- well, <laughs> men are always going to be yeah. about technicality. Like, yes. I want to do what I want to do, but like, if you tell me not to, I will look at <laughs> that sentence in the English language and see how I can find a loophole. 
Um, and then there's also... But I will say, yeah, I was very, very surprised that not only did Harley um, kind of hear uh, Gloria when they're at Chubby's and she's kind of saying all the things that he hasn't been doing for her, but he also takes action to be like, you know what, let me talk to someone about this. And for the he is the only one in the episode that talks to a woman about a problem he's having with another woman versus talking to another man about it. That's what I loved about it. I thought it was so great that... You see him, he's like, but they'll get through it. And I thought, I honestly thought that the episode would like end there and that Gloria and him mm-hmm. would make up. Like, I that's where I saw yeah. it going. And then instead, he shows up at the yeah, Matthews was- place and you're like, whoa. Yeah. And he literally, he he introduces himself. Mm-hmm. He uh, is a complete gentleman. Like, he likes talking to Amy. And it's funny because you get like this, you get this uh, picture of, all of the other men like coming in and being very like, what's going on? Like, who are you and why are you here? But he's at no point in time being threatening. He's very calm. He introduced himself. He was polite. He explained who he was relative to Mm -hmm. her son and then asked, he like, Amy was like, how can I help you? Like, I don't know you. And he literally was like, look, I don't have another female in my life that I can go to please help and i was like dude a man asking for help how great is that like from a stranger what's also strange is just that i mean we haven't learned enough about harley to know that he would actively do something like this like this is our other than our episode that we saw with his sister a little bit ago this is our first time of us seeing him actively trying to accomplish something i just and so i think the one with his sister showed us that harley Again, he he's tough and all this other stuff because he has to be. Like I think the sister episode led us that he has this. He's Vin Diesel. Yeah, he's, he's a mush inside. <laughs> exactly, he's very Vin Diesel from Fast and Furious, where he's like, oh, I'm, I'm, "I'm machismo," but then like at the end of it, he's like, "It's about family." <laughs> By the way, that was a spot on Vin Diesel. That was a good Vin Diesel. I just have to say because I haven't been watching this and I didn't know what I just remember Harley's being a tough guy. I honestly thought he was going to be like, when he's like, oh yeah, I heard you're having troubles. Like, he was just going to be like a gross guy. And be like, well, I'm here. (laughs) Yeah, there was that moment when he first showed up to the kitchen and I saw Amy there and I'm like, well, hold on a second. Are they about to fuck? Are they about to (laughs) let out their rage and their relationships out on each other and have a little porno scene? (laughs) Because he was like, I heard you and your husband were having problems. And I was like, oh my God, why is this show going this way? And then it pivoted. I was like, oh damn, like... We're going to have a nice All moment. Right, that I was live so shocking. In a bubble, because not for like half of a second did I think that. But I love that you both <laughs> went there. My mind was like, oh, wow, he sought out help. He opened can- with like, I heard you and your husband are having trouble. And I was like, anytime some guy just goes to a woman's like, oh, I heard you're having marital problems, it's usually not like, please give me advice. So that's- And for that moment, like, he lived up to the reputation because that's the most gangster thing I've ever so heard. So much because I honestly, like, my mind never, never, never thought that. My mind went like, oh, you're seeking help. And you guys are like, is this a porn? <laughs> like, not only did he beat up Corey, he also banged his mom. <laughs> but no, I think it's great. He, again, he was like, I don't have anyone. He was like, I would go to my mother, but she's passed out. <laughs> like, she's No, mad. no. Okay, so this is actually something that got brought up in the previous episode uh, with uh, his sister saying, you know, my mom was <clears throat> under the weather, implying that she had like a drug or alcohol problem. And then this episode, uh, Harley's like, well, it's four in the afternoon, so she's out cold. It's so weird that they would give them such a like backstory and right? like, character development to just drop them slash off the face of the planet yep 
Yeah, that's what I was saying. It's like it's, it's not even like much of a plot point for any of the major characters because Alan has Feeny to guide him, and like the boys aren't. I don't know how much they're really learning from this situation, other than they're just trying to save themselves. So it is an interesting choice. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I, I think it's weird because I honestly feel that if this was done now, and matter of fact, they did do it with the. Uh, reboot girl meets world where it's like these side characters would just be brought into it it'd be like a degrassi type thing where it's like we created this character we developed this character and they're just going to ride out with us moving Mm -hmm. forward but back at this point in time for some for whatever reason Mm -hmm. they just like these actors and they were like you know what let's give them more to do Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, because, I mean, I think they had these, you know, Harley and Frankie and Joey, and then just throughout the series, as they're looking for storylines, they're like, well, let's pick one person to develop, although Joey never gets developed. Um, but yeah, Joey's, this just... like, a fantastic friend as is. I mean, like, he doesn't really get much of a backstory, but Joey is, like, always and forever. Like... What's interesting is that when uh, Harley and Gloria were arguing and Joey tries to, like, l- like calm the pre- like the tension, I was like, I wonder if he hears a lot of arguing at home and this is his role that he plays at home of just, like, the diffuser of tension. But, yeah, he also seems to be very, like, his role is, and again, like, kind of like throughout the season we've seen he's very supportive of like and he doesn't pick sides he's yeah. never like he's, i remember about him like, yeah 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 the, the, he's a ride or die friend yeah exactly i love it I, i'm very supportive of him um but anything else about amy and harley's conversation well amy goes on to say um you know like he's like you know what do women really want um, and Amy goes on to say that all women really want is to feel appreciated. And I guess I just wanted to know how you feel about that. I think that's true. And I think that, but to add to that is that each woman feels appreciated in a different way. And that's yes. what I think a lot of, uh, not just men, but people in general need to realize that, yeah, I think everyone deep down, they just want to be appreciated. And Amy and Gloria seem to be feeling appreciated in a similar way. And but that might not be the next person who won't feel that way. But you know, that's too deep for these kids. And I think what you said is on point. Yeah. I also loved, like, I loved that. First of all, I was like, that's my, not Feeny taught me, but Amy taught me. Like, so mm-hmm. we have a segment called Feeny taught me where we like say the lesson of the episode. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is like an Amy. Amy yeah. taught me that it's just like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. The whole overall thing is that people want to be appreciated. And I like what you added to it. It's like in their way, mm-hmm. in their specific way, because kind of back to the love languages thing, Alan does show that he appreciates Amy, mm-hmm. but he does so in a way that's completely self-centered. Yeah. Um, and then also, that leads me to my next point, which I love, which is that Harley, in any other TV show, I feel like Harley would have done like a grand gesture to get Gloria back. Mm-hmm. And what he says is, no, if I'm going to give her what she wants, what she wants right now is Frankie. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll have to wait my turn mm-hmm. And a next chance at love. And you're like, holy shit, you guys nailed it. (laughs) Well, to be honest, I mean, they kind of ignited you. Because really, if you are following the Cyrano thing, like they kind of set him up to be that Cyrano figure who kind of lets his unrequited love go and allows the female to be happy. They they discuss it in the beginning (gasps) of the episode. So you're left wondering at the end, like, is he a dip or not? It was going to be, you know, Frankie's ultimately the Cyrano. He's going to realize it was, you know she's meant to be with him and let that go so it was like a surprising arc and change but good for you tc for also catching that because i did not catch the fact that you're right in the very beginning they tell us 
that when you truly care, you sacrifice mm-hmm. what you want. And as you said, I think we were kind of set up to believe that that would be Frankie yeah. being the one, but it's actually Harley. Mm-hmm. You guys yeah. just blew it. Like, I already liked this episode. You blew it out of the water. Well, what's interesting, too, is that Harley goes, like, uh, Amy, uh, when Amy and Harley are talking in the kitchen, Alan comes in, and he starts interjecting his two cents. Um, <laughs> And then he's like, who are you? And he's just like, you know, I'm, a, I'm just a fellow who took a wrong turn on the highway of love. So you have that continuation of the highway of love coming back in as well. Exactly. It's like, a well-written episode. What's interesting, too, there's a part where Harley's like, um, you know, I'm not into the feelings and emotions. And I, Amy's like, well, that's what it's all about. What has it been about for Harley up until this point? Is it just sex? Like, what is going on in these relationships that without communication and emotion, like, what is his definition of a girlfriend? It's, it is probably it was probably just sex. Now, but all of a sudden, someone came in to make her feel appreciated, and it, it's like kind of flipped him, like tossed his head, and he's like all confused. Um, exactly. There's that point where he goes, "What more does she want? I'm already with her." It's like yeah. it's that male ego of like, "I'm already fucking her. I think she gets that. Yeah. <laughs> She's appreciated. She gets how lucky she yeah. is." And His love language is physical touch. Is that what it is? I forgot. I read that book recently. Physical touch. Yeah, that's one of them. Um. So he's like physical yeah. touch and gift giving. I like it. I mean, like I don't like yeah. it. Don't do that. But like, <laughs> that's, that's what goes. That's always what you know. TV and movies have showed us: it's physical touch and gift giving. Things. Yeah, I like. Uh, I like. I like this exploration of learning different things. And mm-hmm. I also, what I also really like about this is, we get something that we don't really get very often, which is especially now, which is that the boys are someone like Harley, this ma- macho figure. Mm-hmm being sensitive in a way that like he's unapologetic about it too yeah. like even when uh eric comes in he's like oh was he getting in with his inner getting in yeah. touch with his inner thug or something yeah. like his sensitive thug uh amy's like or like amy's like shooting him away but it's just like harley doesn't apologize at all he doesn't even try to like gain any status back and like yeah. put up this defense he's just like no i needed a- assistance and I- he's almost the most secure in his masculinity more than any other character on the show it seems in that respect, Which like you he, wouldn't expect, yeah. you wouldn't <laughs> expect it. But he also like he seems genuinely hurt by Frankie portraying him, and he voices it and he tells people like you know I'm hurt by this, I'm betrayed. Like he's 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 not shy to communicate what he's feeling. Which for a character like him, you wouldn't really think that to be a characteristic. Yeah, they really humanized him in a way that was yeah surprising because. I at least from what I remember is like just the bits of him being the bully. So I'm like, oh, all of a sudden this guy has a soft side, and but you know it seems realistic. I have uh, only two more things I want to mention. One, um, we do this segment called "Turned On by Turner." Okay. Ooh, turned on by Turner. Ooh. Yeah. All right. Well, I talk about Mr. Turner and how good he looked in the episode, uh, <laughs> and. Uh, there are two scenes that we get with Mr. Turner. I think the first scene where he's in the class, again, wearing those, like, booty cup and jeans, like, the black <laughs> jeans that he's wearing. 100%. Like, that that scene was doing it for me. What do you feel about Mr. Turner? Yeah, how attractive are you, attracted to you to him? Um, now that I'm older, I'm definitely way more attracted to him. And when the, when I turned press play on the episode, I was like, because I didn't know, like, you know, where in the, like, the chronology I was picking up on. I was like, oh, yeah, he's still here. And I was like, oh, yeah, Mr. Turner, he is... Like, he would have been, like, I had the most popular teacher ever if I actually had him. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine the, like, I feel bad all the time because I can't imagine, like, 
the amount of girls who would have thrown themselves at him I, in the classroom. I you do know, have a question. What? I, I know the boys are in eighth grade. What? How? What's the grades of this school? Because <laughs> this I, is a fantastic question. Okay, First of all, they're I, in seventh grade. They're in seventh grade. Okay, so I'm confused as to like why those older people are there. But is Eric graduated already? Like, no. This is a great I, question. I, I, that was that did throw me off because I was like, you know, he's a teacher that as. If I were in his shoes, I'd be like, I'm going to teach, you know, this grades and lower. I don't want to deal with these girls throwing <laughs> themselves at me. But he's at this school with, like, all ages. I'm like, what's happening here? So they were in elementary school last season. Okay. Now they're in high school. So okay. they live in a world in which it's K through 6 and then 7 through 12. Okay, but um, Eric doesn't. Which... No, Eric does go to the same school as well. Oh, okay. He's... Eric goes to the same school. I believe he's a junior. Yeah. Eric's supposed season? to be a junior at this point in time. Um or a senior who home before them too. <laughs> no, I think he's I think he's a senior this episode because I think this is the episode the season where he doesn't graduate at the end. He has to redo the season. Uh, I'm like, maybe, well, that, I maybe that's why he's so home all the time. Yeah, and he ends up not. Maybe that's next season, but yeah, there he he's he's definitely there. Um, but yeah, this this we talk about the age difference all the time because Harley Kiner is clearly an adult. Yeah, they're all adults and they're picking on these seventh graders. Yeah, but to the point yet. Yeah, Mr. Turner, I get it now. Yeah. I get it. I don't think I've got it as a kid. I was like, but that's now what, I get it. Yeah, that's what I said. I was like, I don't think like I, I really thought of him that way as a kid. But now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, you can get it. Yeah. <laughs> like, also, C- Siege, next season, there are, I believe, at least one, if not multiple, tank top Turner scenes. <sighs> so you have that to look forward to. past season two. That's great. Yeah. I, I know he gets a black friend because we need a He black does friend. get a black friend, Eli. He get, yeah, we get a black friend. I feel, uh, is he a teacher, too? Yeah. I feel like, he is. He's only like, around for one season, like, though. I feel like I just, I don't remember anything, but I can see him, like, being there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need a black friend. I think they realize. Especially they're in Philadelphia. Like, I went to school <laughs> in Philadelphia. Like, I mean, I know there's some parts. Wait, you went to school in Philadelphia? I went to college in Philadelphia. Okay. So. Oh, we have so many questions. How integrated are those schools? Because based on this television show, it does not seem like integration is going to um, happen yet. I mean, the city is a little bit, like... I don't know how it was in the 90s, but I, everyone that I know that lived in Philly in, high, in those ages, they went to private schools, so they probably weren't that integrated. I mean, obviously, they're definitely not going to school in West Philly. They <laughs> must be going up in, like, the suburbs, and I can see that being a lot, a lot wider. It, look, it looks like my school, like, it, where I went to school. <laughs> well, what's really funny about that is I did think in this episode that we're getting more of that plot line of the Matthews being the ideal family mm-hmm. that other everyone family. measures themselves against. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I literally saw that where I was like, Corey's like, oh, well, my family is going through this. And Harley's like, oh, wait, you yeah. mean like these, yeah. like your parents mm-hmm. even have issues like this? Mm-hmm. It's not just my people. And I, then like. I do you remember that being like a, like the arching theme of like, oh, these are like the poor kids and they're and like that, how they try to enter intersperse it but it does come across well what i will say is just uh you know one thing we discussed that michael jacobs was heavily influenced by shows like leave it to the creator heavily influenced by shows like happy days and leave it to beaver and if you watch either of those shows especially happy days like the cunninghams are that family that Mm -hmm. that like everyone comes over and everyone talks to and that they're kind of the center of not just uh, Richie, but his group of friends as well. So I think that's where we're seeing, uh, as well as the heavy 1950s influence of Harley, um, we're seeing that dynamic brought in as, as well. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, any other notes? Do you guys want? To yeah, yeah. I have a. I just wanted to talk quickly. Um, why does Frankie go to Sean and Corey for advice? And I know he kind of gives this explanation of like, oh, well, you're good with girls and you're fast and you're like good with talking. However, one, Frankie is not friends with them. There's been no friendship built between them prior to this episode. And neither Sean or Corey have had any success with women since the season began. In fact, the whole season has been about them un- being unsuccessful with women. So I'm just not sure why Harley, uh, I'm mean, sorry, Frankie is talking to them instead of just being frank with uh, Frank, with <laughs> Harley, because it seems like Harley would have understood maybe. I don't know. It just seems like that would have been a better road to go there. I actually, this was my very last point, and I wanted to bring this out, um, which is that, A, you're wrong. Sean has always been successful, and what Frankie says is that women seem to like you. He says that Yeah, that's true. I guess you're right. And then also, when we see, they set it up because, remember, when Frankie's being quiet, and they run into Corey and Sean. Like, Corey and Sean made fun of Harley. And then he, you know. Like With they, that line where they're like, your hair's not greasy. He puts his hair in it and he slips on the locker. Yeah, exactly. So funny. This show does, like, physical comedy really yeah. well. But, um, so, when that happens, they're talking. They're, like, trying to talk their way out mm-hmm. of it. And that was when I realized, Corey is, like, Corey's funny. And Gloria's laughing at Corey. Yeah, yeah. But, Harley, you know, it- countries what i said about your hair it might be considered a compliment for example greece <laughs> that's funny harley why would you waste your time pounding us when you could be spending it with claudia schiffer's cuter sister oh well, i don't know that i would say cuter <laughs> turn it off turning it off sir they get themselves out of trouble with harley because mm-hmm. of the fact that Corey's able to, like, be the funny one, mm-hmm. and Sean's just, like, I guess, like, it's charming, but he's, like, he's directly hitting on Gloria. Yeah. And... Turn it off. Turning it off, sir. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, the, the so you're saying that Frankie, it's not based on what he knows of Corey and Sean, but it's really just based off of that one scene where they're interacting with Gloria. Do exactly. We... That, I think, they yeah. definitely, like, they didn't, they didn't seem that scared of Harley, and he, I think Frankie, deep down, was still a little scared of Harley, so he's like, if these kids aren't scared of him, then, you know... Yeah, Maybe I can learn something. From yeah, that. dude, Harley will bang your mom. Like, you got to be <laughs> careful. <laughs> um, all right. So, but I really love that you brought that up because that was my last point, which is just the fact that we see, which we like, we've kind of known as viewers, but it is really interesting to see these two types of males approach to dating which is that Corey's the funny one like that's mm-hmm. what makes Corey charming yeah. is that he's he's not nice, like yeah. as much of a sex symbol as sean is mm-hmm. but like he's funny and he's like he has that timing down and then uh sean is just like the cute one but he he doesn't like ride on his looks he's mm-hmm. very um assertive with it and he's a smooth talker like yeah. he's the one who is like inside the locker mm-hmm. talking and i think that you know, that was just interesting for me. I want to know why Frankie, like, like I guess as an audience, we're supposed to support Frankie going out with his best friend's girlfriend, right? Like, that's an interesting place to put us as an audience. I didn't think it was going to last. Like, I didn't think, I thought it was going to be, like, a really, like, failed misstep and that we would be sympathizing with Frankie. I didn't think that. Like, it paid off. Yeah, I didn't think it was going to pay off. I didn't think I'd be in the position to be like, hey, you are now dating your friend's girlfriend. That's yeah, great. it's a very... Uh, this. I will say that that part of this episode is a surprise because when you go into it, 
you just think you know how this is going to play yeah. out. You think you know all the twists and turns. Mm-hmm. And it just, it ends differently. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I think, like, because it takes so many twists, you're just confused by the yeah. end of it. Yeah. You're like, exactly. Am I Yeah, because at one point when they're arguing at Chubby's, I thought, oh, okay, so Gloria only went out with Frankie to kind of prove a point to Harley. But then it, that didn't seem to be the case. She just like, no, we're broken up, and I'm I'm banging your friend now. So that's just what I thought was strange. I love how whenever anyone, male or female, has like um, I don't know feelings towards another person or like shows interest, TC immediately is like, oh, so they're banging now. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not everyone, but Gloria seems like well, no, maybe that was just Harley. she, she seems like, like the type. <laughs> no, I was like, well, maybe that's just because she was with Harley. Like maybe with Frankie, they're you know having long talks and walks and yeah, they're, they're she's getting what she couldn't get from Harley. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I, have, I have two. I have two quick things I just want to throw in. Yeah. Uh, one at one point, Sean's like, um, when they're talking about how they played Cyrano for Frankie, and they're kind of freaking out. He's like, "No one saw this. There's no witnesses, and without witness, there's no circumcised evidence." Oh yeah, I caught <laughs> yeah. that one. I was like, oh. "Just a funny Sean line." Um, but and then he goes on to say, "Like back to Sean's understanding of like the legal system. Mm-hmm. They always do that yeah. thing where it's like it's really clear that Sean." Sean's family is like involved in crime. And he's yeah, like, he has well, so much exposure to to the process of dealing with courts and legality. Um, yeah. I was more surprised at like the laughter at that joke. I mean, I know there's laugh lines. I was like, dude, how many? Ki- I wouldn't. I don't know if I would have got that joke as a kid because I'm not thinking yeah. about especially yeah. circumcised evidence. Yeah, what, that's, yeah, what circumcision is. Okay. Uh, what was your there's one other thing. Sean says, "Oh, um, his plan is to like dress up like girls and we'll come as our cousins and say we're from out of town or something like that. Um, the tool of dressing up men as girls to disguise them or to hide their identity is a tool that this show uses twice in the future of the show. Well, what was um, funny to me is just that I was like, they, I don't know if this was someone like hinting at it or if it was, but I like they was do. Happen, yeah. they did do they, I, okay. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I thought like, okay, next scene we're going to see them dressed up as girls. Cause in my head I've had, had an image of them dressed up as girls. Well, it's funny. Cause it's this thing where Sean says it. And then, uh, Corey's like, that'll never work. And then next season, it's just like, well, a, yeah. So in <laughs> season, season four has the famous chick like me episode in which Sean dresses up like a girl to write a story for a paper. And then in the college years, we have Eric and Matt Lawrence dress up like girls as a, some like a hot <laughs> parody to avoid uh, a bully or some kind of gang member situation. So I it's just interesting that to watching that episode because right now that description makes no <laughs> sense. That you are in college and you're like, you know what we should do? It's like, what oh, the show is full <laughs> jump the shark at that point. Like Eric is lunatic at that point. Like it's. Like, yeah. where, where are you getting your ideas from? To see, like, like, like makes... tracking them, like, that Eric's, like, mental well-being down is declining. Yeah. Into... No, I mean, it is a direct parody of the movie Some Like It Hot. Like, I think yeah. that's the point that they were trying to make. But, yeah, it's it's just the reality of the show. Like, there's some time travel episodes. Like, we really go all over the place. Like, it's <laughs> it's it's 90s sitcom. Like, you have to kind of take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, well, uh, what I was going to say, it's... um just on your point is like tracking Eric's decline. What we he's so normal in this episode. Yeah. I was like, anyway, yeah, I it's a different character. Eric. One so of the I'm fan surprised. theories that we have is that the entire series is based through Corey's perception, mm-hmm. and so it's pretty much one of those things where it's like as Corey changes his thought process 
of people in his life, mm-hmm. then their character changes. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, when he's younger, his brother's like this suave, a cool older mm-hmm. brother. And then like right now, he's starting to be on equal footing with Eric. And mm-hmm. so Eric's starting to get a little bit dumb. And then there becomes a point where Corey's clearly more mature mm-hmm. than Eric. And so he just sees Eric as a buffoon. Yeah. And that's kind of why okay. it switches this way. And it's more so because... It's not that, like, Eric hasn't always been this way. It's mm-hmm. just, like, Corey's perception. I also think that the more they make Sean brooding, the more they take his kind of goofy material and pass it off to Eric. Yeah. Because yeah, exactly. what I remember is just, like, over-the-top, goofy, like, dumb Eric. And I was like, oh, this guy is just kind of, like, chill. Yeah. And, like, he had that yeah. sense to be like, no, we're not putting our names on this card. And I was like, <laughs> that's not the Eric I remember. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, bruh moments. We talk about like moments where the bruh moment is when you looked at the episode, something like kind of took you out, and you're like, "Whoa!" Like this episode either didn't hold up in 2018, or it did. Like it was something that was very, very much like a 2018 plot point. I think this particular episode could happen in 2018. I think this one definitely is kind of a little bit more of a universal episode. It doesn't feel super dated. Other than, I, like, yeah, them being, like, uh, Danny Zuko and, uh, what's her name, Sandy. Like, that was, that's the most dated this episode feels. All right. I, I was just going to say that, yeah, I don't think there was a single moment that made me go, like, wow, that doesn't fly. And the reason why I was a little conscious of that was because there were so many moments in the previous episodes that we've been watching where I was like, oh, I can't believe this. Um, but I do agree that, like, the, the little upsets that the men have in this episode are ones that are stories that can still be told. I don't feel like there was ever a moment where I was like, what? Except for, I still think tires are a great gift. I'm, I'm sorry. That was, that's, that's, that's just me. That's I wouldn't practical. have at them, but as someone who has purchased tires, I will be very grateful if someone were to buy me tires. I would actually say the opposite of a bruh moment. Because usually a bruh moment in our, our show is like a moment where we're just like, wow, I can't believe people thought that was cool back then. Maybe it's like a gay joke or something that just doesn't age very well. But the opposite of that, I think Harley was super compassionate and well thought out. And he was a man who was comfortable in his sexuality. And he didn't feel the need to machismo around issues. And he actually sought help and counsel. Like, I actually thought it was like a really, like a woke moment i guess i don't know what the opposite of a brown moment would be yeah but that's what i thought yeah i i agree i mean i think for that was what i was gonna bring up which is that this episode it when it surprised me it surprised me with harley's development mm-hmm. and harley's sacrifice and his willing to seek out help and mm-hmm. uh and show that men need need to do that like i was really really proud of that moment and so yeah yeah all right We're- how about the Amy taught me again? I think we kind of covered it, but like the Amy taught me of this episode. What what would you say is the overall lesson? Like if you had to, Arini, I'm gonna let you go first. But I think it's what we talked about. How like Amy wants to be appreciated, and everyone wants to be appreciated, but she, everyone has the, their different love languages, and um, she makes hers known multiple times. And right. She's not afraid to be like, nope. I'm not cool with this. And she wore that really great like power suit before going out to dinner, and that's when I knew she was like, 
I'm not taking this shit today. <laughs> oh, I wrote that as a note too. I was like, she looks like uh, Hugh Jackman in Greatest Showman right before she goes out for a date. <laughs> and it's funny too because Alice, she's like, I'm ready for a date, and then Alan looks at her and goes, and more. Because he plans on banging that night, although it's not happening after the trash compactor. <laughs> yeah, I do love that. Or he's like, oh, he does some kind of caveman analogy. Oh, when he got in trouble, he's like, oh. Um, yeah, why grunk? Why grunk? No get gifting. Like grunk or yeah, he's like, sleep on couch. Yeah, grunk not sleep in yeah. cave. Yeah, I, I do understand. I do like that he understood that he was like primitive at that point yeah. in time. <laughs> Uh, I think okay. another uh, lesson of the show, which I think is probably the most apparent lesson that was taught throughout the entirety of the bit, was um, you don't get women tires are trash compactors, which Corey sums up perfectly at the end of the episode. Yeah, exactly. Um, no trash. No trash. Just don't get trash. <laughs> if it has trash in the title, don't give it don't to them. Give it to me. Uh, okay, so grades. What grade um, would you give this episode? What? Yeah. I thought it was a pretty solid episode. I thought it was like a pretty like B plus, A minus. Like I liked it. I enjoyed it. I it surprised me. It wasn't predictable in the way a lot of these sitcom episodes are. Yeah, uh, I was I was gonna say B plus as well, actually. And what I kind of liked about this episode, which I know, like I said, we've been watching these all of them. Um, what I liked about this episode is that Corey was more of a hey Arnold type of character where he wasn't really going through a journey, but he was assisting other people on their journeys. And I feel like that worked a lot better um, than Corey on his journey, at least the f- past few episodes, because it's just been a lot of like, just, just it's, it's children figuring out issues without any of the wisdom that comes from the adults. And that's been the last few episodes. Whereas this one, I felt like we were able to get wisdom from Feeney. We were able to learn from Amy. And um, I don't know, like, like Siege mentioned at the beginning of this episode, every character was there and they represented and they gave um, exactly what they were supposed to give. So I, I say B plus as well. Yeah, and because of everything you just said, I'm going to just give it a solid A, and I, I'm giving it an A for all the reasons that you said. I mean, I think that B-plus is really great, but for me, compared to all the other episodes we've been watching recently, um, not only was it well-written, we got really good comedy, but we also had a really good balance and use of each one of these characters. We get our first real Feeny moment that we had, and we get more of Amy uh, than we've gotten. So for me, this just nailed it. Um, it just really hit it out of the park. So it was really well written. Like the whole idea that Cyrano, like actually like living out Cyrano while they're doing, I just thought it was really well done for a show that um, didn't have, like this show doesn't have to infuse this ancient, like this classic literary works. Um, and I think they do a really good job of making it borderline interesting to kids who are just like, you know what? I don't know what the story is about, but based on this episode, I might want to read it and look into it. So Exactly. Oh, also, I like, this is just something I want to note. I said Shakespeare earlier. This is not Shakespeare, so please. No, no. no, no, (laughs) It's like, like, I said Shakespeare, (laughs) ignore me. Um, Okay, homework. Our homework is when we have, like, recommendations or things that we think people should check out. Uh, Do you have anything? Um, yeah. Oh, oh, you know what? All right, so today's the first day of fall. Officially. <laughs> and I am kind of a Halloween head and I'm super obsessed with Halloween and October and everything that has to do with this. Um, so I'm uh, going to recommend a horror movie, actually, that's on Netflix. Um, the movie is a foreign film from South Korea. It's called Train to Baskan. I think I'm saying that right. Um, 
I'm a huge fan of actually like a lot of the foreign films I tend to like are South Korean films. They just have a really interesting uh, film scene. And this is a zombie movie, which I think is the most like emotionally charged zombie movie I've ever seen. Like it's the characters are so well thought out and it's so um, it's so like I, I don't know. Like when I watched The Quiet Place, like it's about the monster yeah but it's really about the family and i thought that that was kind of present in this movie as well and um it's on netflix so it's free to watch and if you're looking for a horror movie to watch to kind of get you in the the halloween mood which i will be doing consistently until october 31st um yeah just check it out because it's a really well-made um movie again foreign subtitles but it's it's really beautiful uh so on that like i have i have two but i guess i'm gonna do like half of one real quick which is last night i saw um a simple favor with blake lively and uh anna like, kendrick it has, better, has good reviews said, like it, it looks is, very lifetime in the trailer but it's so good like not like here's the thing i went in i went in there it does have henry gold in it and i went in there with like zero expectations i knew mm-hmm. nothing about the movie a friend recommended we go see it and i was like all right cool and within the first five minutes you're like oh this is funny yeah. and well, blake it's directed by paul feig so. yeah and then blake lively comes in this woman just has no business being this gorgeous it's mm-hmm. disgusting you're like <laughs> calm like you're, like you're just watching it you're like oh my god but it turns out to it's like it's a little bit of a thriller. It's a little bit of a comedy. Um, it's a little bit of a m- murder mystery. It's it's a really really good film, and it just it's it shocked me. Um, so I recommend that. I I also based on what you were saying earlier, um, there is this comedy special of this comedian that I've been really a big fan of called Daniel Sloss. And on Netflix, he has this special, uh, it's under his title, Daniel Sloss Live, but there's this segment called Jigsaw. And he goes in exactly on how um, our generation is in love with the idea of love and how, like, how we'll stay in relationships or we'll do all of these things because what we're being told is the most important thing that mm-hmm. you can get in your life is love. And like, if you don't have it, you're incomplete. Uh, so when you brought that up, I was like, that's so dead on for like what this uh, special was about. And basically about, he says this thing, which I really love, where he was like, if you, you have to love yourself first. And if you only love yourself 20%, someone can come along and love you 30%. And you're like, oh my God, that's so much. You yeah. love me so much. And he's like, that's literally less than half. Mm-hmm. Like, it's yeah. like it's less than half right off the bat. Um, but you're just so used to not loving yourself that mm-hmm. if anyone shows you a little bit more mm-hmm. you're infatuated with them so it's a really good special check that out mm-hmm. and the last little bit that i will say is uh the movie grease i actually <laughs> checked out grease again um it, does not hold up. it it doesn't it doesn't and i'll show you like this <laughs> thing but like um grease is i, I mean because of uh at one life. point in the movie rizzo says Get out of here, guys. This ain't no gangbang. <laughs> <laughs> that movie, it, it does say a lot of things. Like, she, like um, what someone pointed out to me, and I'll share this, is they were like, we, we come really hard on that movie. We come down really hard on that movie. But in reality, uh, it has characters like Rizzo, who is, she owns her sexuality. Mm, yeah, yeah. Like, there's this part where uh, – Danny's like bite the pickle. He's like basically like suck it, and she's like with relish. She like yeah. she's just like oh, yeah, I'll do it and what. Um, and I like I looked at it again and just reexamining it. It it has 
some pretty good messages, even though there are things where you're like, yeah, maybe we could do better. <laughs> I actually think Grease 2 has better messaging, even though it's a way worse movie. I will refuse to watch Grease 2. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Are we good? Yeah, we're good. We're All right. Good. Thanks so much for Thank joining us. Thank you for us. having me. Thank fun. you. Yeah. Do, do, do you want to throw out any social meds out, out to anyone? Um, you don't have to. <laughs> I'm currently rebranding, so. Okay, cool. <laughs> it's so funny, like, maybe uh, I, I also Actually, do you have a food one that I'm, oh, I'm go just for started. It. I just started my food blog because I'm learning how to cook and taking cooking classes. So it's uh, for, F-O-R, spork, S-P-O-R-K, sake, S-A-K-E. I love it. For Spork's sake. Yeah. I love Which, it. Which, by the way, I'm such a huge fan of Sporks because I despise spoons, and I think they're pointless. <laughs> I just think they're, like, the underdog, and they don't get the... The credit they deserve. Do they make metal sporks? Because I would get that in a heartbeat. I don't know. I'm. I feel like someone does. I feel like on Amazon we could find them. Probably not in Target, but on Amazon we'll find some metal sporks. We have access to the entire world to resources <laughs> through our phones. <laughs> okay. Um. So uh, to close this out, thank you for listening to Bromance World. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube. Make sure you leave us a rating. We love hearing from you guys. Keep messaging us on Instagram, which seems to be your faves. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Extra Siege. That's X-T-R-A-C-E-E-J. Tonacy? You can find me at A Braver Me on Instagram. You can also find me on Twitter uh, at Anna Kendrick RT. Anna Kendrick Retweets, where I retweet everything that Anna Kendrick tweets. Been doing it for about a year and a half now. It'll be two years this December. I'm never been more proud of anything I've accomplished in my life. <laughs> well, honestly, it's really funny when I when I watched A Simple Favor, I was like, TC like has to watch this movie because you love Anna Kendrick so much. So again, I picked it on random. It had nothing to do with my relationship with Anna Kendrick. I just thought <laughs> it was a funny idea, and I've been doing it for so long that I can't stop now. <laughs> uh, okay, Arena, would you do us a favor and sure. read this part right here? Remember to, to to dream, try, do good. Late, brah. Yeah, later, brah. <laughs> later, brah. <laughs> I didn't have the R, but that's fine. Thank you so much. Peace. <laughs>